Brought to you by PrayLatin.com, makers of prayer cards featuring complete English phonetic renderings of Latin pronunciations. Father Altman's message to the world recently shook things up. To put it mildly, people are declaring him unilaterally to be a set of a contest. I have spoken with some who know him personally who say he is clearly not a set of a contest. And the definition of set of a contism, when you go back to the root of Latin, doesn't really work. There may be the term interregnumist, which is a new one to most of you, including to me. I've heard it starting in the last few weeks, but not until basically recently have I ever used it. The term applies really to those who believe that Francis isn't the Pope, that Benedict probably was the last real one, and that we're waiting for the next conclave to create the next Pope. But beyond that, there is a difference between being a set of a contest and being whatever position his Father Altman has. Not that I think that this set of a contest position is evil or anything, but clearly there has been an, a, an effort by even like what we, some of us call Trad Inc. to paint it as such. And the interesting thing about watching this is that there has been a big response online to Father Altman's statement. In my own comments, I had some people saying, Anthony, you should take a hard position on this. What is your belief on this? And it was interesting because I honestly don't know what to think. I had, a, I had questions about authority. We're going to go into that here in a moment. Did, did the priest have the authority to say what he did? And some people invoked the First Amendment. Well, okay, but the Catholic Church has actually never recognized freedom of speech as a thing. Not on ecclesiastical matters. It's only really under the extraordinary circumstances by the post-conciliar period where the layman had the authority to speak up. But it took these, uh, these rather extraordinary circumstances of essentially the hierarchy either just phoning in their job, doing nothing in the face of rising heresy for the last 60 years, or worse, many of them being participants and the due cause of it, that it, it was really left to laity to stand up. And you see a lot through this all throughout history of the church. I mean, there are saints and doctors of the church who would much rather have lived quiet lives of anonymity before they opened their mouths because the hierarchy were too busy enjoying the you know, the resources of their offices, to put it mildly. And such are the times we live in today. But the question here is on authority, and I'll have that for you here. But the question, the thing I saw fascinatingly in response to Father Altman's address was even a lot of outlets who agreed with him on virtually every topic. I mean, you watch some of their videos, you watch, read some of their articles about things that Francis says and does, you would have thought they would have been in agreement with him. But as soon as he said that Bergoglio is not the Pope, to quote Father Altman, they turned on him. So I'm going to give you the alternate view here. And the alternate view comes from Father Dave Nix. He writes the blog Padre Peregrino. He also has a podcast by the same name, Padre Peregrino. And the vast majority of things he talks about there are catechesis. He goes over the Catechism of the Council of Trent in a series answering one or two questions in an episode and going in deep on them. And he does it in the way that anyone watching it can understand without dumbing it down and without insulting his audience. I highly recommend you check it out either on YouTube or Spotify or wherever else you might find it. And he has his article on his website going into the, it, it's providentially timed because clearly the article took a lot of time to actually put together and to research, but he actually goes into what saints had to say about this. Because it turns out there were saints who told us that when the shepherds become wolves, it's the lady have the duty to, to actually correct them. 
and to point out that they are heretics, and if they are heretics, to turn our backs on them. Take that to mean what you will, and I have Father Nix's permission to use this. Again, the timing on the article is providential. He is to be accused by his subjects, a quote from St. Isidore, the title of this article. I do not want this blog to turn my readers into heresy hunters, since recognizing heresy is not enough to obtain eternal life. Also, there is so much heresy in current quote-unquote Catholics, both lay and clergy, that your quote-unquote heresy hunting would become an exhausting effort. But this blog is worth writing because there is an odd Gnostic myth floating around Catholic circles today that a heretic in the hierarchy can only be recognized by either a group of cardinals or an obsolete battery of canonical trials. While it is true that the saints seem to delineate between material heresy, that is small points, and manifest heresy, obvious heresy, the latter is held by saints to be easily identified by your, faith, your average faithful layman or laywoman living in sanctifying grace. To believe secret wisdom on recognizing orthodoxy belongs to a shifty group of cardinals is peak Gnosticism. Gnosticism is the old and tired heresy that only a certain group of enlightened elites have access to secret divine knowledge. Rather, the Catholic Church has always taught you only need the true faith and blue-collar common sense to identify a manifest heretic. This means you do not need a group of cardinals behind you with, quote, an imperfect council or canonists forming, quote, a canonical trial to recognize an obvious enemy of the Catholic faith. This is important because a manifest heretic, by definition, ceases not only to be a member of the hierarchy, but even a member of the Catholic Church. Although a, quote, material heretic could historically be judged a, quote, formal heretic only by canonical trial, Father Paul Kramer asserts in his recent book that, quote, any prelate can be judged for heresy by his inferiors in regards to obvious or, quote, manifest heresy. In other words, if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, it is a duck. And as such, the duck heretic must be avoided as a non-Catholic intruder, even if he purports himself to be part of the hierarchy by your average member of the lay faithful. The key word here is faithful, as in catechized and orthodox. Let's pause here. The entire argument here is going to hinge on the person making the judgment call being a member of the faithful. And he defines what that means, meaning catechized and orthodox. This is the problem where you're going to run into in the modern world. Because many Catholics, even a lot of self-identified traditional Catholics, aren't well catechized, to put it mildly. And we, when we have seen often in our time that many bishops say the problem today is catechesis. Catechesis, catechesis, catechesis. The problem is the catechists, those who are supposed to be teachers, usually catechist meaning here somebody who works for the priest or bishop to assist them in the teaching ministry of the church, they don't know what they're doing most of the time. And they're using temporary documents that are too complicated and frankly not orthodox themselves. The modern catechism of the Catholic Church was said by the cardinal who put it together in the 1990s to be a problem, and that it would need to be revised and fixed. He said that the day it was published. And this is why traditionalists tell you, stick to the Catechism of the Council of Trent. You will get all the answers to the faith you need there. Ones on contemporary touchy issues are addressed in that catechism, because once your conscience is well-formed through the catechetical process of the church, the teaching of the church, 
Those issues, explicitly not talked about in the Catechism, become pretty easy to deal with for the most part. At least the everyday stuff. Not these macro things like, oh, you know, what kind of political system is Catholic or whatnot. Not that stuff. But actual, the day-to-day things that you're going to deal with. The Catechism of Trent, Catechism of St. Pius X. Those sorts of things will cover you entirely. But this entire argument here hinges on the concept of the faithful being the faithful, meaning the faithful themselves are orthodox and catechized. And this is why you, as someone who has taken an interest in the state of the church by watching these kinds of videos, have a duty to learn your faith. To learn your faith well enough to know if I am leading you astray by giving you these kinds of news stories. That is your duty. So go read old books. Read preconciliar catechisms. Read preconciliar writings of saints. Read preconciliar writings of popes. That Those sorts of documents. Learn your faith. And everything will be fine. Now let's actually move on to the core of the argument here. Quote, I realize this is the opposite of what most of the traditional Catholic faithful currently believe. Father Paul Kramer quotes early saints and later popes to prove this. Pope Gregory XVI explicitly cites Ballerini's doctrine as the basis for his own position on this question. And Ballerini's teaching is most clearly stated in the following passage. For any person, even a private person, the words of St. Paul to Titus hold. A man that is a heretic after the first and second admonition, avoid, knowing that he that is such a one is subverted and sinneth, being condemned by his own judgment. See the letter to Titus, chapter 3, verse 10 to 11. He undoubtedly, who having been once or twice corrected, does not repent, but remains obstinate in a belief contrary to a manifest or defined dogma by this public pertinacity, which for no reason can be excused, since pertinacity properly pertains to heresy, he declares himself to be a heretic, i.e. to have withdrawn from the Catholic faith and the church by his own will, so that no declaration or sentence from anyone would be necessary. Conspicuous in this matter is the explanation of St. Jerome on the commended words of Paul. Therefore, by himself, the heretic is said to be condemned, because the people who engage in sins of the flesh and those who, who uh, violate various other commandments, and those guilty of other misdeeds are driven out from the church by the priests. But heretics deliver the sentence upon themselves, departing from the church by their own will. This departure is seen to be the condemnation by their own conscience. Now the priest, Father David Nix, says here, quote, A smart but suspicious reader would now ask this question, but can these admonitions to abjure heresy go from so-called inferiors to so-called superiors? First of all, the required admonitions against obstinacy allude to above have already been executed, even if by so-called inferiors to so-called superiors in this 21st century Catholic Church crisis many times over against our most famous heretics. Many public heretics who now claim to be in the hierarchy have repeatedly revealed themselves to be public heretics by ignoring what good lay people and priests have written them as they beg them to abjure their manifest heresy. Father Paul Kramer answers this question brilliantly. Moynihan mentions that there was such, quote, a tradition already prevalent as far back as the 7th century. The doctrine that any prelate can be judged for heresy by his inferiors has been asserted since the late patristic period, namely by St. Isidore of Seville, the last scholar of the ancient world. And the proposition that the Pope can be judged for heresy was already explicitly asserted by St. Columban. In the year 636, St. Isidore wrote in his Sententarium, 
Quote, the rulers, therefore, are to be judged by God, and by no means are to be judged by their subjects. But if the rector strays from the faith, then he is to be accused by his subjects. But for the objectionable moral behavior, he is more to be tolerated than to be separated from the people. St. Columban wrote to Pope Boniface IV, quote, For if these things are certain rather than fables, and vice versa, your children have become the head, but you the tail. See Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 44 which is even painful to say. And for that reason, those who have preserved the Orthodox faith will be your judge, whoever they may be, even if they are seen to be your juniors, those Orthodox and true Catholics, who have neither received nor defended any heretics or suspected heretics at any time, but have persevered enduringly in the zeal of the true faith. With the words, Nequerte hereticos neque suspectos alacquios, pardon my Latin, Neither heretics nor those suspected as such, the saint makes it clear that the subjects have the right in conscience to judge and reject, literally not to receive, not only superiors who are notoriously manifest heretics, but also those who positively manifest themselves to be reasonably considered suspected heretics. The quote there comes from On the True and False Pope, excerpts from pages 39 and 45 by Father Paul Kramer. And once again, I had... Father Dave Nix's permission to read you that article. You should read it over at PadrePeregrino.org or check out his podcast by the same name, Padre Peregrino. Find it on YouTube and Spotify and the rest. So what do you think of that? Do you Are you convinced that Father Altman had the right to say the things he did, given that he had at his, at his side the saints, that he had saints on his side who said to popes, and two other bishops, that the laity have the duty, backed by scripture, to correct or reject, to not receive those who are allegedly in the hierarchy, who teach and are manifest public heretics. Manifest, being, meaning the word obvious heretics. I want you to think about that because it is very serious. As Father Altman says at the beginning of his address, to think carefully on it because the, the salvation of your soul may be at stake. He says that. Your eternal destiny may be at stake. It's not hyperbolic. These issues are the issues of our time. And while I have myself been admitted that I am a believer in the, or I take very seriously the very pro, the prospect that the, uh, the allegation that the sister Lucia who was, who came out of hiding basically in the 1960s all the way into the late 1990s was probably not the real Sister Lucia, that something bad had happened and she'd been replaced, even though that sounds like fringe idea. The experts who actually examine photographs and things, who actually understand it from a medical and scientific perspective, say that the pictures of the Sister Lucia taken at various different places later on in the history of the church and before in the 1950s and before were not the same woman. They're clearly not the same person, yet this person kept showing up at these various events and getting identified as Sister Lucia. And speaking as Sister Lucia, the, is this, there's a saying associated with Sister Lucia, possibly the fake one. That is absolutely true, though. And that comes from the 1960s. And, it's a, and this statement is a diabolic disorientation in the church. It is absolutely true that there's a diabolic disorientation in the church. And that complicates this issue, because as you heard the priest say in his article, that we as have a duty as laymen to resist these things, but we have to actually be orthodox and faithful, meaning we have to be trying to live the faith, we have to actually know the faith. 
And therein lies the problem. Do you know the faith well enough to do this? I'm very curious. I have recommendations for you. Go get an old catechism. The Catechism of St. Pius X is very easily easy to read. The Baltimore Catechism, very easy. Preconciliar catechisms in general were easy to read. They would they started out with a simple question at the beginning, you got an answer, and then another question based off that answer, and it just builds and builds and builds and builds. Until you know all the everything you need to know about the faith. You don't need to be an expert in Aquinas. You don't need to be an expert in the you know, the great writings of the saints and doctors of the church. I provide you many of those as educational things. But in general, you don't need to be, you know, have a PhD to know the faith. You need to know the faith well enough so you don't fall into traps. I'm curious what you thought, if you noticed what the responses to Father Altman were like. I saw them across the board in my comment section for that video. I wasn't surprised to see that either. Some people dismayed, some people energetically cheering on what he said, some people saying he didn't go far enough, some people taking a more moderate position like I do. But I'm very curious what you have to say about this. So let me know in the comments what you thought of Father Dave Nix's article or what you thought of the responses that you saw from others, especially from from like traditional leaning Catholics in the Catholic commentary world. So let me know what you thought about all this in the comments and like and subscribe if you haven't. It does help. So to sharing this on social media, that helps too. And as always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.